0: Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 18, let me back up, while you're turning there once again, so good to have you with us, this Wednesday night we will continue our series on turning our church into a house of prayer, turning our church into a house of prayer, I want to pick up in verse 16 for time's sake, I'm not going to hold you long tonight, I want to really just press a point that we have been on since the beginning of January, On intercession and prayer, we have actually moved on from intercession into petition on Wednesday nights. So let me just, not back up, but let me just press it also to show you the benefit of intercessory prayer is what happened today at the altar. That's that's the benefit. That's God hearing while we're standing in the gap, spiritual warfare that leads to a peaceful outcome in somebody's life. To God be the glory. Let's pick up in verse 16. There's two stories going on. One I will open up with with about Sarah. And then from Sarah, there's a, a walk that Abraham has with God because of relationship that allows a dialogue that allows for him to ask whatever he wants because God is a relational God. And that's what I want to prove to you tonight. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And notice that. The discussion is, Abraham is so close to God as a friend that they are debating, can we keep it a secret from him? Because if anybody should know the plans of God, it's him. That's powerful. That shows us that there's some things that are only birthed out of relationships. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, that's the Abraham covenant or Abrahamic covenant, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, not by him, but in him, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice and that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now And see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. He's saying, the sin is so bad, but I just can't take anybody's word for it. I've got to go see for myself or hear for myself, I should say. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, watch this now. Will you also, this is a conversation. Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He is playing on the very nature of God. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? And you know the story, 50 becomes 45 and so on, all the way till he get down to 10. He's having a conversation with God, standing in the gap for his own family that they might be saved. Here's my prayer tonight. Real quickly, I'm gonna let you go home and you can watch the Super Bowl if you want to. But before we get there, I'm gonna show you the importance of having a right relationship with God so in the day of fire, you can stand in the gap and say, God, would you not spare my own child who was raised in Sunday school, who I took to church, who sung in the choir, God, would you kill him? Make it personal. That's what happens when you have a right relationship with God. Would you stretch your hand this way, please? Amen. Hallelujah. Would you pray over me and just ask God to bless me right where you're standing, please? Amen, you may be seated tonight. When I was growing up, my, my grandfather, he grew up in the Depression. He called them Hoover days. I never understood what that meant. But his mind, every time that, if he had $100,000 in the bank, and I'm just saying that, just to suppose, you would have never have known it because he lived as if he had nothing. And wherever he went, if he was going to buy something, he always loved to bargain with that person, to reason, to talk them down. Now, if I would have saw my grandfather coming, I would just raise the price up $5 and then say, yes, Mr. Nolan, I'll drop it for you for $5. And he would have been happy because in his mind, it was just the thought process of having a conversation. And because of who he was, he could get a little bit cheaper. Now, on the small sense, that's what's taking place right here when we get to Genesis chapter 18. It's a man of God because of a right relationship with God the Father. He has a relationship where he feels it is acceptable to have a conversation where he can bargain and reason with God. I know the scripture says, come and let us reason together, and that is biblical. But to just come reason with God on the basis of you is not wise at all. God understands who we are. He knows the motives of our heart. And if we're gonna receive anything from God, we must be authentic in our relationship with him. When you get to Genesis 18, that's what we see. But let me walk you down. In Genesis 18, there are two great stories take place. First of all, three men are walking by, Abraham is tired. He's sitting in his tent. He's having a drink of water. And all of a sudden, he sees three men that he knows, Pastor Wade. These are not three average men. He invites them into his home with hospitality, which is Christian hospitality. He invites them in and begins to have a conversation with him. Now, this is how the conversation goes. They talk for a while. And then they tell him, we've got something to let you know. God is going to touch you. And God is going to touch your wife, and at this time next year, I'm going to touch you. And guess what? Your wife, who you think is old, she's going to have a baby. Some of you are sleeping; everybody's head just raised up like right then. (laughs) Yes, she may be ninety, but she is going to have a baby. I've always I want somebody in our church above seventy five years of old to do this because it would be a great testimony in the community, wouldn't it? Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) And so that's what's taking place. He says at this time, and she laughs just like you did. She laughs. In fact, she lies later and said she did not laugh, but the men said, oh yes, you did laugh. They heard her in the back. And the Bible actually says, now God, you're going to touch me. I'm worn out. I'm old. And now you're going to visit me. See, God doesn't need the fruit of man nor the power of man. If God said she's going to have a baby, she's going to have a baby. Isn't it just like God to wait past a childbearing years so everybody will look around and say, it must be God, amen. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what's taking place. But immediately time that conversation ends, and I'm going quickly, and I'm gonna let you go. Time that conversation ends, I love what happens here. Once they get done with that prophetic word, they stand up, and it's like Steve, they get to the door, and they look out the door to go forward, but their eyes look over in the direction of that wicked city, And it catches Abraham's attention. It should because he has a family member there by the name of Lot that lives in that city. And they look over there and they have this, this mindset. Why? Because they know that God is about to judge that city. God is about to judge that sin. Listen to me once again as I preach this morning. Sin always demands judgment. Always has always will. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. God's word will not come back void in this manner. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus Christ in the New Testament and stand upon his righteousness and not ours, which is filthy. But they know judgment is about to come. And then, Pastor Jose, they have this kind of torn inside. They they don't know. They feel almost bad from what I can read. Not that the city is going to fall, but because they are keeping it from Abraham. He has such a relationship with God that God would call him a friend and not only call him a friend, but that God would have conversation with him about future events. They almost feel bad about this to the place that they're thinking. Should we tell him? Should we let him know? Should we tell him what's about to happen? And the conversation would go so much that finally, yes, They had this conversation to let him know that the God of heaven is about to judge this wicked, wicked city. Yes, Abraham, the covenant's gonna pass through you. And yes, Abraham, through all the world, every country will be blessed through you. But also hear this, that doesn't mean everybody's gonna be saved. It means that there's gonna be some in the last hour, in the last day, they're gonna turn away from God and never receive his grace. God is going to judge sin. Are you listening tonight? But Abraham, we want you to know up front what's about to take place. It hits home with him. He is moved. Why? Because he has family members living in that city. I want to press the power of intercession tonight if it does not drive you to emotional tears and if it does not drive you to a prayer room about what's about to happen in our nation in our country, in our world if your child is lost and you do not take time to pray for that child, God help you tonight, your priorities are out of order, you're not in prayer yourself, something's wrong spiritually in your life because I believe that the judgment of God is soon near and what we to do as a church is go back to the prayer clauses like we have been lately and stand in the gap and say, God, do not kill my child. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I cannot let them die and go to hell for they are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Will you give God praise for that tonight? God's personal interest in this with Abraham so much That he would not just allow anybody to go down and look at this. God knew that the judgment was coming. So Abraham stands in the gap and has this conversation with God. God, are you really about to do this? And I I know I'm tired and I'm not articulating this point well. But I want you to understand the relationship and the dialogue that is taking place. God, I know you, you've been good to me. My wife doesn't believe us right now, but yes, I believe we're, we need to go buy some diapers. And God, you brought me out, and you told me that wherever my footstep Every, everywhere it stepped, it belonged to me and it was mine. God, you told me that the whole world would be blessed through me and God, you made this promise with me and God, I didn't have to choose the land. I didn't have to worry about it because wherever I go, I'm blessed so I told my nephew, you take whatever you want and I took the rest. God, you approved yourself to me but God, before you move any further, you call me your friend. Can I ask you something, God? Do you really gonna kill everybody? I believe there's some good people down there. God, if I find 50 righteous, will you spare them? God says yes. 45, 40, 30, 20, all the way down to 10 because the city was so wicked. What Abraham was doing is what we call intercession. He was standing in the gap for somebody else. You're listening. Intercession, as I spoke Wednesday night, it's the prayer room in Acts with Rhoda opening the door to Simon Peter while they pray for his release from jail and he's out and they're still praying. They're inter- interceding on somebody else's behalf, standing in a gap, what we call spiritual warfare. Intercession always starts on the battlefield, but eventually when God prevails on their behalf, it ends up in a peaceful state. Intercession starts with the warfare, the tug of war in their life, like we saw with Israel this morning when he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. That was not a 20 minute warfare. That's years, Tracy. Would you say amen? That's prayer day after day, season after season, let down after let down, valley and mountain and mountain and valley. But knowing that God is not a man that he shall lie, that God was standing the gap, and we knew sooner or later God would prevail on his behalf. That's warfare. Warfare, though, is hard, it's heavy, it's tiresome, but later it will lead to peace in the home and peace in the family when we prevail. The problem of the modern day church is this. People don't want to war anymore or stand in the gap. Think about our theology. We go through seasons of bless me, bless mine, bless this one. Give me this, give me that. I claim this, I claim that. I want that car, I want that house. I want this, I want this. But yet, when you pray an intercessory prayer, that leads to petition. When you pray the Lord's prayer, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. As I told Wednesday night, then what happens when we stand in the courtroom of heaven? God not give me but God give us our daily bread. Forgive us God as we forgive others. It's never I nor me in intercession. Intercession takes us from selfishness and puts us in a place where God can use us as we plead for somebody else. Already in this service tonight, there's a young man in here and I'm going to anoint you in a few moments to pray for one of your family members because I feel pressed to pray for her. So I would ask that nobody can leave if possible. There's three things I want to give you tonight as an intercessor and then we'll close. First of all, as Abraham intercedes uh, to God on behalf of Sodom, he does it out of one thing, a personal relationship with God. Verse 19 says, for I have known him. Listen to me. The problem is this. You cannot wait for I've known him. You cannot wait till your child is in the back seat of a police car to begin your intercession. Now, if that's your starting point, by all means, start right there. But why not when he's in your womb? You know my story. Right now, Jessica and I, are praying for my child's spouse. I know it's crazy, I know it is, but nobody set me down and uh, talked to me about my family's history. Right now we are interceding that God is preparing a beautiful woman for my son that one day, providentially, they will meet and that their marriage will be a benefit to the kingdom and not a divorce in my family. That's intercession. Some say it says it's crazy. Well you can't wait till they fall in love to find out if it's God's will and start intercession. Once they've already blinked their eyes at each other three times, it's too late then that you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Heaven forbid if they bring Reese cups on Valentine's, it's over at, at that moment. It actually translates in verse 19, for I have acknowledged him to be an intimate friend. Psalms 25 and 14 said, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. He will make them know his covenant jesus will push it further in the new testament no longer shall i call you slaves for slaves do not know what the master is doing but i have called you friends for all things i've heard from my father what i have made known to you the plans of the lord are not always away from us we use that scripture, I have not seen, ears that have not heard, neither has he entered to the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And then we stop and we talk about how good heaven's gonna be. Read the rest of the chapter. But those that walk in the spirit and know the voice of the spirit, he opens the door to them. Intercessors, are powerful because they have a relationship with God where God makes things known to them, not that Neil, uh, recently on Facebook, somebody posted this picture of me about the face that a preacher makes when he's about to read somebody's mail and everybody laughed about it, the kids at youth camp, and, and I've, I've been known for that from time to time. It's not because I'm somebody, but I believe that God still reads the mail of those in the congregation not to embarrass but to let you know he's involved he knows you and he wants to change your life. That gift unfolds not because I run to the fortune cookie and break the cookie open and say, Joy, you are gonna have a blessed day today. No, but because the Holy Ghost reveals it to us that we may relay it to somebody else that they know God is real. And God is about to do something. I surrender my life because he knows my very inward parts and I turn my life over to him. But it cannot be a pastoral relationship. An intercessor gains ground on the battlefield not because of his weapons in his holster, not because of the name or the PhD or the title of the church and not because you're Church of God or Baptist. You gain ground on the battlefield when you have a relationship with Jehovah God. When you know his voice, Abraham understood because he understood the principle that Sodom was about to fall was not a natural disaster, but it was gonna be at the hand of Almighty God. And He knew that God was not a man that He would lie. And if Lot was gonna be spared, if somebody had to stand in the gap. And I just felt this, listen to me. Don't you let somebody else stand in the gap for the person that you love. Don't take for granted, well, Neil will stand in the gap. Joey will stand in the gap. Steve will stand in the gap. No, you stand in the gap. You be the Abraham that says, God, would you spare them one more day? God, I know last night my grandchild was drinking and driving. But God, I'm asking you to keep them from harm and all those around them. And God, I know your deity. And I know you are righteous and loving God. And God, I know you're all powerful, God, infinite in power and infinite in purity. So I ask you in infinite power, God, to spare them. And I ask you in infinite purity to let your love touch them that they might be forever changed. Secondly, tonight, real quickly, Abraham wasn't comfortable with his own safety. Are you listening? You guys stand in the gap. The finest hour of this was not the hospitality of Abraham. He entertains these heavenly strangers. And I've heard preachers say this was the best that a Christian life of the Old Testament can offer. I, I disagree with that. I disagree with it wholeheartedly. I think the finest hour of Abraham in this chapter is when he stands in the gap for somebody else. We should entertain angels if that's God's will. We should entertain strangers. That's what we do as a Christian. But when we stand in the gap for somebody else and we plead the blood of Jesus Christ, that is the finest hour of a New Testament Christian today. I want to ask you tonight: Who is it that God has put in your heart that causes you to have concern for others? That you need to stand in the gap and plead as Jesus did in Matthew? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! You would kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. How often I have longed together your children together, as a hen would do her own chicks. You've got to stand in the gap tonight, risk everything if necessary. Quit patting yourself on the back for doing things that we should do as a believer and get your hands dirty and stand in the gap for those that you love. Thirdly, tonight and lastly, and I will close, and I want to push this. This cannot be a passive moment in the church. Somebody say amen tonight. Five more minutes and I'll let you go home with chicken wings. Is that okay? Listen to me. Preacher, I believe that there are some that are gifted to make intercession. I do. I believe that. I believe that some have a spiritual gift that they exercise and God uses them greatly. I believe that. But I'm not going to give you a free pass to be lazy. I believe it's the duty of every believer to make warfare for those that they love. We have this passive mentality well, somebody would do it. Somebody should do it. The Bible said he didn't know if to do good and to do it not. To him, it is sin. In the matter of Sodom, some might have tended to be passive. God has spoken. The city was going to be destroyed. What could Abraham possibly do? Exactly what he did. Now, listen to me. I don't believe at that moment that God was intended to destroy Lot based on the relationship of Abraham. I believe, though, what God was doing was making Abraham aware and showing you and I what needs to be done in 2019 before God comes and takes us home. The church cannot be passive and sit back and say, we'll let the Monday night prayer warriors do it. We'll let the Sunday night crowd do it. No, if you love them the way that you say that you do, you've got to take off this passive nature and put your knees on the ground and begin to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. One theologian said, if Abraham appealed according to the will of God, and his character, nothing would be impossible. If you know God the way that I do and you do, do you know that God through your righteous relationship with him is not willing that any should perish? When we see our family on the brink of disaster, does it not make us want to run to Sodom and plead the blood of Jesus Christ? Well, pastor, what if they're not ready? I didn't say you had embarrassed embarrass them at Christmas dinner. I said go to your prayer closet and fight there first so God can reward us in the open. A mature Christian will pray with confidence that God will act according to his character with infinite power and infinite purity. When we are helpless, we are not hopeless. James 7, 5 and 16, for the prayers of the righteous accomplish much. Brother Nolan, I've been praying, but God's not done anything yet. My last point tonight is Isaiah 58, 6 through 9. Is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? Will you see the naked? Cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Verse nine, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here am I. What do you mean by that pastor? This. This. The problem that I see real quickly is that sometimes in church, you will have a group that will say, I want to work for God, but they don't want to pray. Are you listening? And then on the other side, I'll have some people that want to pray, but they don't understand the other side. But what happens when they come together? Oh, it's a powerful thing. When we do the diligence of missions, outreach, and loving our neighbor, what, what what Brother Rusty does in men and women of action. When we're diligent in loving our neighbor, but then on the other side, we fast and we pray the right way as well. When they come together, God says, I will hear your cry and say, Here am I. So when you leave here tonight, love your neighbor. Fast. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Love the babies. Whatever it is that you can do in your own community, do it up under the umbrella of this church. Do it up under the, righteous, the umbrella of righteousness and holiness. But then on the other hand as well, you intercede and you be an intercessor. And you stand in the gap like Abraham and say, God, I don't see how you're going to kill my children. I want to do this and I'll close. Come here. Come here. Anybody in your family right now lost? Anybody? Yes. Give me a name. Anybody, it doesn't matter. My son, Humberto, and my daughter, Susana. Are they in Mexico? Is that where they're at? California. California. God says, Mm. I'm going to judge Los Angeles. Can I use Los Angeles? Yes. Is that good? I'm going to judge Los Angeles, and I'm going to rain fire down upon it. A righteous man rises up, and doesn't rebuke God, but says, God, you're my God. I've done all that you've asked me to do. I've preached, I've loved, I've clothed, I've given to missions, I've empowered. God, I'm not, I'm not questioning your authority, but God, I do want to remind you, I have two children in Los Angeles. And God, I lift up my holy hands to you, and I stand in the gap, God, Cannon, come here. Dawson, come here quickly. Quickly, quickly, real quickly. Run, run, run. Run like you're on the track team. There you go. Yeah. Stand right here. Stand, stand shoulder to shoulder, real serious. If they represent his two children, get, get, get on your knees for a second. Just sit on your knees real quick, real quick. I'll help you up. I know it's gonna be hard to get up, but I'll help you up. Human yeah. prayer is rising up when God says, I'm gonna judge them. The intercessor as I told Wednesday night, please, grace and mercy. They stand as a shield for the, the condemned. In prayer, he rises up. Rise up, my friend. He rises up with hands outstretched, saying to God, God, I stand in a gap for my children and I plead your blood over them. And I know right now they don't know your name, but God, I know a day is coming where they're gonna to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So God, I stand in the gap saying, not today, God, would you spare them one more day in the name of Jesus Christ? That is what Abraham did and that is what God is calling us to do tonight. Would you stand with me, please, all over the house? it's not just for the lost either. Some of you for your spouse. Whatever the need may be, give us the spirit of Abraham that says, not yet. God, you said I was your friend. I'm having this conversation, God. I I love them, God. I, I don't want my kids to die and go to hell. So God, I, I plead your blood. Not not today, God. And when the enemy tries to come in another way, God, walk with me. God, I didn't see this coming, but I stand in the gap right here for them as well. And so on tonight. Amen? We're seeing the reward of intercession. That's what happened this morning, and we cannot stop. You guys may be seated. Tonight, I want to pray with one person. And if you want to stand in the gap for a loved one, I want you to come with this person. Would you come here, please? If for nobody else tonight, you know who I'm praying for tonight, don't you? I feel overwhelmed. It's all right. Give me some men. Give me some men, please. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. This is a God thing, isn't it? Amen. You knew that. Amen. Would you help me? Would you help me, please? Anybody else would have a person that you want to stand in the gap for? Would you come on, please, Father? I want to anoint you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.